Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. The Radical Up podcast is produced in partnership with AmericanFirearms.org. American Firearms' mission is to recommend what works. We believe everyone deserves access to unbiased, helpful information about firearms. And our buying guides, product reviews, and learning resources are designed to help real people find the stuff that will work best for them. Check us out at www.americanfirearms.org. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Red Club Podcast. I'm really excited about this episode. I've got Nick Kitlicka here. He's the shooting sports marketing manager at Leopold. And I just finally got to meet you at Chacho for the first time, which I was really excited about. So welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it was uh, it was great getting to meet you at Chacho. It was a whirlwind a couple of days there in Vegas, but uh, it was a good time. Absolutely. Yeah, and you guys had a ton of new products, which I want to talk about. Um, your booth was beautiful. Really yeah, we do. I, I have to say I'm, I'm biased, obviously, but we do have one of the best booths, I would, I would say. The cool thing is the, the second story. So, like, uh, being able to get off the show floor and a little bit higher up and you get to, like, you know, uh, take a breath <laughs> in between everything, that's it's nice. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, it was really pretty. And I think, I don't know enough about the apparel, but I think everyone looks super clean. You guys have like new apparel that I've seen even in my own local shops. Mm -hmm. yeah. Super nice. Yeah, we've we've dived really uh, deep into the apparel side. It's not just promotional t-shirts and hats and stuff like that. It's actually like kind of... Jackets and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, technical apparel, uh, more... Uh, not morphing into, but uh, elevating the lifestyle brand part part of the brand, right? Yeah. And uh, I know, I know, my shooters that I have on the team really appreciate it. They're like, "Oh, you have the best, you know, hats and jackets and stuff out of the out of the rest," which is funny because little secret. Well, I've been at Loophole sixteen years now, and way back in the day, I wouldn't wear any of our stuff because it was it was all lame. <laughs> so. <laughs> we loved it. Yeah, I went yeah, to. We, um, so I'm, I'm near Smoky Mountain Knife and Guns, but we opened like a smaller sister store. It's like only 20 minutes from my house and it was really intimate. And it was cool too. Cause I, I saw a couple of my friends like Daniel Horner and stuff that she's for sick, but I saw them up on the walls and I'm like, it's weird being in this gun store knowing the people on the walls. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I bet that is weird. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, it's cool. It's cool. You've taken notice of the, the apparel stuff. I've like that a lot and the, and, and the eyewear too. Uh, that's, that's been a big hit for us as well. So. I'm going to need a poofy jacket. I was, I was looking at those. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just so let me know. I will. So I want to talk about your career. I mean, cause I don't know enough about your background too. So, you know, were you a hunter? Did you grow up around guns? Like, and, and how the heck did you end up where you're at now? Yeah. It's kind of a funny story. I, I didn't actually. So, uh, both of my parents are from Southern California. Uh, I grew up skating and snowboarding and doing that kind of stuff. And, uh, um, I don't think I actually shot a gun until I was about 22 years old, honestly. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and then um, uh, I, I moved up to the Portland area, uh, Portland, Oregon, for a job after I graduated college. This is kind of a sales job for a grocery distribution company, and I, I didn't I didn't like it. I would blow off work and go snowboard instead and do stuff like that. So, um, But my roommate at the time, he had gotten a job here at Loophold and he was like you know there's this company I work there it's pretty cool it's just entry level he's like 
they're looking for someone in the warranty product service department. And he's like, I can probably get you a job. I was like, cool, that's fine. So I got a job and um, just entry level. Um, so like when someone would send in warranty products, I would get the product and I would input it into the system, you know, create a traveler or a, an account. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but that was a cool way to learn about the product because I got to see everything, all the products come back and I got to sit by the people who were repairing the product. So I would like look around and see all the scopes torn apart. So you could see all the internal workings and all that kind of stuff. So huh. I, I gravitated towards that. I'm, I'm mechanical. I like working on stuff and tinkering with stuff. So uh, that part appealed to me a lot. And I think it took, uh, let's see, two to three years probably before I was like, I should probably buy a gun and get, you know, get into this. So I bought a, uh, I bought a Ruger 1022, just completely stock, and then bought a whole bunch of like uh, little quartz and parts and stuff like that to build it back up into like a custom gun. So kind of learned how that worked. And yeah, just kind of, uh, snowballed from there. So 16 years later, here I am. Um, so I, I've, I've done a number of different things within the company. Uh, the warranty department, like I, I talked about, I worked in the custom shop. Then I went to the sales department, worked on the sales side. Then I went back and ran the custom shop for a handful of years. And now on the, the marketing side, like you said. Wow. That's awesome. So yeah. did you ever finish college or go to college? I mean, you just kind of yeah, yeah. So I went to I went to U of O. I got a uh, business management degree because I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I still don't quite still know don't. what I want to be. <laughs> uh, I and somehow I ended up in marketing, right? So uh, I I don't know how that quite happened either. But um, it's just funny, funny how things work out. So uh, I've known nobody though. Probably says bad things about our industry in a little way, but I've known nobody that's been in the same place the whole time. Like I know a lot of people do move jobs within the industry or just have different, have had different lives or different careers. I've never met anyone that's been in the same place. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It, uh, I, I, I see that a lot too. There's people bouncing around and, you know, I'll, I'll see someone at shot show and be like, Oh, how's it going over there? And they're like, Oh, I haven't, I'm at this other place now, you know, people get recycled <laughs> in the industry a lot. So being somewhere for 16 years is quite, yeah. Um, I don't know. They treat us so well here. It's a, still a family-owned company, fifth generation, and uh, honestly, I, I, it's kind of ruined me because I don't think I could go work for another optics company, <laughs> knowing know, knowing what I know now and how well we do everything here. And I, it's it's cool to work for a company that you really believe in the product as well. So, um, you know, uh, passion-driven industry, which this is, because you could go your whole life without buying a scope or a pair of binos or something like that, right? Tons of millions of people do. But the people who do uh, purchase the product are super passionate about it. It's their hobby. They're really into it. And that's, it's a fun part to, it's a fun thing to be part of that. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Now, I know you shoot a little bit of PRS, right? Uh, Yeah, I shoot uh, uh, six to seven matches a year. Uh, So quite, quite a bit of long range stuff. I started getting into that a handful of years ago, probably three or four years ago. Okay. Have you shot other sports too, or just PRS Mm -hmm. right now? Um, so I, I've shot some, uh, defense pistol competitions and stuff like that. I actually start out shooting mostly, uh, pistol and carbine, uh, going to a lot of like, uh, tactical training classes and, and doing that kind of stuff. Um, and then, uh, I, you know, I wanted to learn more about our long range products. So I started getting more into that and I just went to some competitions just to check it out. 
Then I start entering the competitions. I start figuring out, oh, this is way harder than I assumed that this would be, right? Everyone yep. everyone goes, oh, I can shoot long range because they go to nope. range and they shoot on their belly and, you, you know, real slow and methodical. And that's not what this is, right? I remember uh-huh. the first match I went to, it was, uh, well, I started, I started in a dumb way. I went to, uh, um, it's called, we have them up here. They're called RTC matches, Rifleman Team Challenge. Okay. So you te- team up with someone. And it, it was kind of the... Um, predecessor to NRL hunter matches. So you go, you have to find the targets, range the targets, uh, figure out your dope and engage the targets in the right order. I did that for my first match. And I was like, this is, it was so overwhelming. I think we probably hit like 10 targets the whole weekend. It was, it was rather disappointing. And you came back. (laughs) I did. I came back. Uh, (laughs) I'm a glutton for punishment. I don't (laughs) want to quit, I suppose. So, um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I kept on it and I kept going. I like, I like learning new stuff. I actually like looking stupid and learning new stuff and being humbled by uh, that. So, and it was overtly humbling. Absolutely. But little by little, I've uh, uh, gotten better and better. And now um, I, I'm still not great. Like I'm a mid pack, top mid pack shooter, I would say, but that's fine. Uh, honestly, I'm just out there not to embarrass the company half the time. So, <laughs> you know, you wouldn't want the the scope guy coming and showing up uh, last. So that would be yeah. a bad look. Yeah. Yep. I think I'm forever <laughs> in that same mid pack ish range for sure, which, Hey, not last. But the, the, yeah. Not last. Right. Not the, last. Great, the great thing about it is you're just, you know, I'm just competing with myself. I just want to get better. I want to, uh, uh, I am a very competitive person. Yep. Uh, played tons of sports growing up so um but as long as i'm getting better and being competitive with myself that's that's fine so i have no illusions of grandeur winning trophies or anything like that so i think a lot of people that are are missing the boat are the ones that come in they're like i'm the best the best of the best whether it's their job or it's just like that's what they grew up with so then they enter a competition and they get humbled very quickly and then they either they don't come back Right. Yeah. They don't come back. Yeah. They don't come back. Or, but I do like uh, the people that, you know, they get out there and they compete and they get discouraged. And it's like, hey, we all started somewhere where we weren't the best when we got started and we're still learning too. So, like you said, I think it's really important for shooters to remember to compare themselves to the, where they were maybe even a month ago versus where they're, they started um, and not worry about the people. I mean, that that's the hardest part is that if you just see a little bit of exponential growth, I mean, over time, it's, it's huge. Yeah, it's huge. And I will say the really cool thing that I've noticed about the specifically like long range shooting community, be it PRS, NRL Hunter, any of those types of competitions is the the, the community of people. Um, they're very uh, supportive. And like uh, if you show up to a PRS match and you don't have the right gear, people will be handing you bags, and you. bipods and, you know, try this, try this. Oh, have you thought about this? So it's, it's, you know, I think most of them understand fully that, uh, uh, everyone started somewhere and they're more than happy to help and they're more than happy to get you involved in the sport. So yeah. if, if you're on the fence about it, don't be scared. Um, it, it's, it'll probably be a little painful your first couple of matches, but it's, it's addictive for sure. It's very addictive. Yeah. I mean that progression, I've never seen someone like leave a match being like, I don't have the gear. I've seen people throw ammo, guns, bags, belts, mm-hmm. whatever it takes to finish a match. So that's an excuse that's like completely removed from any shooting sport. <laughs> Yeah, most uh, most match directors will have loaners yeah. of some type. Yeah, down in Texas earlier this year, the first PS match of the season. I know we sponsor that range, and they have five or six loaner guns. So if something happens, people can just grab it on and keep shooting, which is awesome. It is, yeah. So for you, um, the long range stuff. Um, 
did you take a class? Did you, did you Google? Like, how did you actually start to get better? Because I, I know for me with entering long range in PRS, I'm being mentored versus I haven't sat and taken a class yet. Like I want to do that, but I don't even know where to start with that, you know? Yeah, a little a little bit of everything, I think. So we had some internal employees here, excuse me, who um, shot longer range stuff, who maybe uh, one who was a Marine Scout sniper. And, uh, you know, so I, I would hang out with them and kind of just, you know, be a sponge of information. Go, we have a range here in Oregon, in Central Oregon. So we'd go out to the range and mess around and, and uh, I'd get to uh, practice and ex- experience stuff out there. But I have been to, uh, maybe I've actually only been to one actual real class. Um, one one of our pro shooters, Tyler Hughes, he runs Max Ordnance Academy in California. Um, I went to a couple of those classes. Great instructor. But I've been able to be around other instructors too and again, be a sponge. And um, also, the you know, going to matches, uh, a lot of it is watching what other people do, right? Like watching what the top shooters are, are doing, how they approach a stage. And, um, uh, you know, I would go to a lot of matches and take just uh, uh, photographs. So I, one of my unofficial jobs here is photography. So uh, I, w- I would take uh, photos, which is a great opportunity to, you know, uh, really check out what people are doing, how they run stages. And uh, just yeah, practicing little by little, practicing in the garage, dry fire practice. Uh, like I said, I'm I'm competitive, and I I I don't mind looking stupid when I'm learning something, but I <laughs> I also like to get better at what I'm working on as well. So yep. um, yeah, it's it's a lot of hard work. It's not easy, um, and, and which is frustrating because the top shooters make it look incredibly easy. <laughs> they do. I think yeah. about like John Wardell from the AMU, and I'm just like, dude, how? Mm-hmm. He's half of our times. Like some of the best shooters I know shoot 60% of him. And I'm like, are you human? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the funny thing is like they're they're moving fast, but they almost don't look like they're moving fast because it's so smooth. Yep. And uh, yeah, just like, oh, how do I get there? Well, one day maybe. <laughs> one day. <laughs> yeah. So what's your absolutely favorite gun uh, cartridge, you know, to shoot in PRS? And then what glass do you personally run? Oh, uh, hmm, cartridge. So I'm not I'm not a reloader. I don't reload. Um, That's just for looks. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's good. That's a good setup uh, stage back there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't reload. So I just shoot uh, Hornady ELDM uh, Cre- uh, six Creedmoor. So the 108 grain ELDMs, and they they shoot fine. And I'm you know. If it's anything that's happening, it's usually me. It's not 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 the ammo for sure. It can outshoot me. Um, yeah, a lot of people get. You know, I think a lot of people love reloading just for the therapeutic part of it, right? And that's um, you really get to tune uh, your ammo to your gun, and I understand that. I just don't have the time and/or desire. So, um, <laughs> let's see. What am I running right now? I got a couple different guns. Uh, I'll just pick the last one that I ran in the competition. So I'm shooting a Foundation stock. That's uh, uh, Foundations out of Oklahoma. John Kyle Truett owns it. Uh, it's an interesting stock because it's it looks a little more like your traditional maybe stock, but it's machined out of micarta, which uh, micarta is a material. Uh, you see it a lot on knife handles. It's um, kind of like a, a fiberglass-esque type uh, material, uh, but he's the only one who does stocks out of it. And it's, it's incredibly... Um, interesting to shoot yeah it's like um uh the it deadens the recoil so much through the stock so that's pretty cool uh and i shoot an impact action another oklahoma uh guys shout out to tate streeter 
um, big supporter of PRS and the long range community. So impact action. And then I just have a proof research prefit barrel on there. So it's funny. I, I, I want to do a video about it, honestly, like how easy it is these days to build a precision gun. Yeah. People think that it's hard and it's like, it's actually easier than an AR. Like yeah. if, you could, if you can build up an AR, you, if you get uh, an action with a prefit barrel and a stock, Done, probably, drop in. Yeah, you could you probably put it together in five minutes, honestly. So, um, yep. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I run a Trigger Tech Diamond. Uh, I run Trigger Techs in all my all my guns, and then for the glass up top, I run the Mark Five HD Five to Twenty Five with the PRT reticle, or I have some Seven to Thirty Fives too. It, it's the same body scope. So, um, but yeah, that's that's kind of my setup. Awesome. Oh. Sorry, uh, KGM can too. So I run a KGM R6 uh, suppressor up front. I've started running more suppressors a couple of years ago. I did just put a break on another rifle. We'll, we'll see about going back to shooting breaks after shooting cans for a long time. But uh, we'll see. I, I like shooting suppressed a lot. I don't, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, so let's see. Four or five months ago, I had zero. And I now have seven in jail. So we have gone full-blown addiction. <laughs> I got one for the PRS rifle and it's in jail. Hopefully it'll be out sooner than later. But oh my God, yeah, I went full. It's just a totally different experience. The recoil is nice. No ear protection or light ear protection, not having to worry about it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's I, I didn't even do it originally for the, the hearing protection part, which I, is awesome. But <clears throat> I just like how it smooths out the recoil of the gun. So it's all, it's a lot, it's like a push in kind of like a, instead of like a real uh, abrupt yeah. Like whack. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see you going. I, I did get just one of those, uh, TMB. It's a break and a tuner combination. Cool. So the tuners are kind of cool being that, like I said, I don't reload. I use factory ammo. So you can use a tuner to tune your barrel to my ammo oh, instead cool. of tuning the ammo to the barrel. So, um, kind of messing around with those tumors and, and checking that out. It's been fun playing with, I, I, I'm a big puzzle break for sure person and trigger person, but like just playing with different bleed off systems and adjustable everything like gas box, but like just all that's fun. I don't know why. Yeah, it, it is fun. Well, it just makes the gun, it can make the gun feel completely different depending on what muzzle device you put on it. So yeah. 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 So I love the journey. Okay. So for everything that you do for work, and I know you started in warranty, but like for the shooting sports side of stuff, did you help like assemble the team that you have now that shoot? Um, and then like you sponsor matches and events, like what all do you do in a day? <laughs> yeah, what well, all I do in a day. No, no, two days, no two days are the same. That is for sure. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, when I took over, we had a little bit of a shooting team um, and some partners, but I, I have grown it quite a bit uh, over the couple of years that I've been in charge of it. So. Um, yeah, that's one of one of my main things is managing the team, approaching team. I think on the long range side now we have uh, maybe thirty people, thirty shooters, um, and then adding more international people this year. So that's been really fun. Cool. So uh, Norway, Sweden, Italy, Australia, some South Africa. So because um, the international scene is growing a lot, uh, so that's been fun. Um, <clears throat> one of the other things that I do, I, I manage our, our shooting partners. So that'd be more like your influencers and people like that, your Colion Noirs and stuff. So I manage them from, from the shooting side. I have a counterpart, Kaylee, who works on the hunting side. So she does kind of what I do on the hunting side. I take the shooting side of the, the marketing. So 
uh, a role. Um, what else do I do? Yeah, sponsor matches, go to matches, be kind of the face of the brand at events and stuff like that. Like um, last week I was in Texas at FTW, uh, which is a ranch down there. Uh, it's actually not a big, um, <clears throat> maybe not well-known in the tactical or shooting world, but they it's a, it's a hunting school, basically. They teach precision long-range hunting. Uh, which was really cool uh, to see. Uh, so it was fun to go down there and kind of share some of my PRS knowledge with the long-range hunting stuff. Um, th that was a writer's event. So sometimes I'll go to events, you know, they bring writers in from, uh, you know, you're kind of in I've that industry yeah. too. You've been there, right? Yeah. Oh, have you been to FTW actually? I haven't been to that one yet. No, I've been okay. to several writing events. Um, she yeah. got invited to another one, which I didn't even know were a thing, but they're so cool because you really get that intimacy mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. to share knowledge and, I, I think you can't beat those events. Hundred hundred percent. So it's you know it's like four days, and they can ask us anything they ever want to know about optics, right? We yeah. do a little seminar and stuff like that. So yeah, it's awesome. Uh, and then I work a lot with our product line managers, so I take a lot of the feedback I get from our pro team, influencers, just consumers in general, and feed that back to the product team so that we're we're building the stuff that people want, uh, features, uh, all that kind of stuff. And then I help with the content creation as well, um, making sure that we are um, uh, creating content that's genuine. And, you know, especially on the shooting side, man, if yeah. you post a video or a picture of someone in there, it doesn't look quite right or they're not holding the gun just right. Like, oh, yeah. People are going to be like, oh, that's stupid. Like, <laughs> he, oh, yeah. doesn't know, he doesn't know what he's doing. So um, I'm, I guess I'll be the, the SME, the subject matter expert uh, on the on the marketing side for the shooting stuff as well. So. Uh, I do the tours at work. I did a tour this morning. Um, <laughs> let's see what else. Uh, it was, the joke, you know, is you don't you don't uh, shed jobs. You just gain jobs. Okay. So being here 16 years, it's just uh, you know you just keep um, collecting them. So I think that's fun, though. That makes work so not boring. Like when you get to oh. just be creative too and come up with ideas and then roll with them. Oh, it's not, it's not boring whatsoever. And I'm, I'm very blessed and I'm very lucky, like what I get to do. So, uh, it, it is work sometimes and it does suck and you got to look at spreadsheets and budgets and numbers and all that stuff. But I get that a lot as well too. So, and then you get to look at a lot of planes, a lot of suitcases, a lot of, like, how do you, do you have a family outside of this? that you try to spend time <laughs> yeah. with. Like, I do, I do. I do have two kids. Uh, so Kale and Emma are 11 and 13. So luckily now they're a little bit older and a little bit more self-sufficient. So I don't have to be babies as much. But uh, yeah, I, I get to see them quite a bit. I, I get, definitely have to maximize my time when I'm here at, at home. So, um, But uh, that's just part of the gig is being on the road. So That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. You see a lot of different places. I think the international stuff is, is going to be intriguing because truly when you think about competition in the optic space i think you guys are light years beyond so many brands where you understand the influencers that have voices if they're in politics or if they're shooters in different sports the hunting side is a totally different group of people than competitive side and brands that don't get ahead of that and partner with content creators or people that have a voice um i think are I'm not going to die, but I mean, like, that's the way of the future right now, especially when we can't pay to put our ads in front of anything anywhere. You know, you're right. going to have to lean on these people that can share word of mouth or that are out there with your products using them. 100%, 100%. And that's part of that, having the shooting team. Like, is it's not just about them being good shooters. It's about them being brand ambassadors, right? Going to a match and 
talking to someone and, and then the person's like, oh, I've been thinking about that skill. Be like, hey, lay down behind my rifle and check it out, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, we, we in the marketing world, you talk about impressions a lot. And, you know, obviously like a, a print ad or a digital ad can get a lot of impressions, but that that physical face-to-face impression, it's a lower number, but they are more valuable in my opinion. And they're, they're more, um, uh, they carry more weight. So, and, and, and my, my way I've done it over the years is, <clears throat> yes, you go to these matches and maybe it's 200, 250 people, 400 is a huge match. That's the gap grind, which you're going to shoot later this year. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you're, you're influencing and talking to those people, but they are also their, their influencers in their sphere of, of people and influence. So, uh, you know, be it, Hey, maybe, you know, the he he's a lineman, right? And he has coworkers who want to build a rifle. They're not going to shoot PRS, but they want to build like a long range rifle or hunting rifle. Well, they're going to talk to this guy because they know that he goes and shoots competitions and he's super into it. Uh, so it's influencing the influencers and trickling down. We've seen that work really, really well. Um, interesting that you've mentioned it on the international side because that's that's something we've been up against um, throughout our. Um, so in the U.S., we are a heritage legacy brand, right? Everyone knows Leupold. We've been around forever it's, since 1907, actually. Um, so, but on the international side, you have these other brands who are heritage brands. You have Swaros and Zeisses and people like that. And it's it's been harder for us to break into that hunting heritage side of things. But the shooting side is different. There's no heritage and there's no legacy stuff there. It's all kind of new. So we've been really hitting that hard as an avenue to get into those different uh, demographics, those different regions. And uh, it's been successful so far. I'm excited. I get to uh, later this year, I'll be going to South Africa and then Norway um, for some stuff. So it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. Do you get actually incorporate a little bit of like travel-esque tourism days with that? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, So that's one of my things that I do even domestically here. So like, um, Let's take an average trip. I'll take one from last year, I think. Where did I go? I went to Pennsylvania for a uh, uh, match. So flying on Thursday, uh, zero days Friday, matches Saturday, Sunday. I I would uh, not schedule my flight out till late on Monday. So yep. I would have that day. I've never been to Philadelphia. So I just went and walked around Philadelphia, saw all the cool old stuff. I grew up on the West Coast, so old to me is like 100 years old. So that's cool to walk around. You know, and see the cobblestone streets and the Liberty Bell and all that kind Bell of stuff. Bell was so. cool. I've done that one time and yep, I made a trip out of it and it was so neat. And Philly had cool vibes, the art, the music, the food. And the, I do a similar perk thing where it's like, I'm going to pick a day ahead or after. And for a writer's event, it was in Idaho. That one I did longer. I did a week in Yellowstone and the Tetons, but I was mm. able to make an opportunity out of getting to do what I do and work really hard because it is still work. But it's like, if I'm already going to go, I'm going to do it and go see something, you know? Yeah, 100%. I love the travel. I love to see stuff. So I'm a, I'm a big proponent of that. And it helps keep you sane a little bit, right? So it's not just, <laughs> yeah. work, not just work all the time. Yeah. You get to have some fun. So I saw yeah. so many animals that should have died. I'm like, I was at the Continental Divide Trail and I walked around this corner and I it scared me. I was literally two feet away from a doe. And she just kind of sat there, like looked at me. And she was a big one too. And I was like, if you were anywhere else in the world right now, you would right? not be yeah. alive. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's funny. Yeah. Uh, one match. I forget what. I, uh, yeah. You're making me remember. I I drove back over the Continental Divide because I'd never driven over there. 
and I stopped at the top and, you know, seeing all the, uh, the sign and the touristy stuff. And a fox came right up to me, like literally like, like five feet away from this fox. And like, I was trying to like pet it and it wasn't going to be pet, but yeah. <laughs> you know how aggressive foxes are and you thought I'm going to pet this thing. I, one walked out in the parking lot and I was like the only one around. This was during the off season in October. And I couldn't find my keys in my hiking pack fast enough. I was afraid of the fox. So I was circling around the car trying to get the keys out to not get murdered by a fox. I don't know. I haven't heard of many people getting murdered by a fox. I think you were probably sick. It would happen to me. It would be me and it would be front news and (laughs) it would be like. (laughs) Yeah. I'd make a good tombstone. Yeah. Murdered murdered by a fox. (laughs) Pet it. (laughs) Yeah. I just wanted to pet it. Look soft and fluffy. Oh, I love this grown human. What about mm-hmm. a fox and okay. Um, so I want to go back to all of the the shooters and the people that you work with. Um, you know, a lot of people ask me, how do I get sponsored? How do I get contracts? How do I get whatever? Right. And how are they adding value? And I ask them that seriously. How do you think that you add value or how do you represent brands that you already represent? Or, you know, what are what are you doing for them? So how do you, I guess twofold is what do you look for and then have what do you do when someone like seeks you out and then how do you like kind of vet them for that process? That's a good question. And I wish I had a clear answer on like, this is what you do. Like, blah, 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 blah. but honestly, like a lot of it for me is gut. And, and like, I, I feel like I'm a pretty good judge of character. So um, I, I kind of honestly say don't mix, you know, friendship and business, but honestly, I got to be able to be friends with you. If you're going to be on the team, I, I got to be able to hang out with you. I got to stand you. Um, you you got to be a good person. Like so, a character. The character part is for me the most important. Like, it's cool someone's winning a bunch of trophies all the time, but if if they're not a, a don't have high character, yeah. um, it's it's not going to work. And I don't I don't need liabilities on the team. People that I got to worry about. And I rather have that mid pack shooter who uh, has that high character. Is going to represent the brand well going to reach out to new shooters, you know, create content, that kind of stuff, um, rather than the, the high performers. Now, to have both, that's that's really Win. what I strive for, right? Yeah, I do. We we are the most winning precision rifle team in the world. Um, we, you know, we perform really well, but that character part is really, really important to me, especially as a, a steward of the brand. Um, I take that really seriously. And, you, you know, you can have someone who represents the brand say something stupid or do something stupid. And now, you know, oh, that caught, caught on video and now it goes viral. And everyone, you know, then it, uh, you know, people have a bad view of the brand after that. So it's, uh, it, yeah, you got to be careful about it. So a lot, most of the time I have to meet you in person, hang out with you a little bit, uh, see what you're about. I'll, I'll ask other people that I know, you know, about yep. this person. So um, small, small industry too there to be able to like have people vouch or yeah. Yeah, it is small for sure. Everyone knows everyone. So, <laughs> um, and yeah, so that that's kind of how it goes. That's kind of how we add people in. We don't, I don't have like a set, like um, you got to do this. Now I have been strategic, I suppose, about um, geographically where people are going to be. So you know, when I first took over the team, we were really West Coast heavy because we are on the West You're Coast. There. Yeah. We didn't have any representation on the East Coast. So added um, a handful of people on the East Coast now. Um, uh, we also didn't have really any females on the team. So uh, I think I have three female shooters now uh, who shoot long range stuff. 
Um, and yeah, so um, just trying to um, vary it up a little bit too as well. Yeah. Hit, hit all those demographics. Yeah, check the boxes sometimes. So It's interesting. Like, I mean, when I explain that to brands too, it's like, <laughs> what if you want to track that, you've got to have it in your content or in your marketing or in photos or videos, just because if you're, I mean, me, if I'm a female and I'm looking at this content, it's just maybe just say all oh, like tactical dudes. It's like, I can't relate to that. Cause I don't even see myself in that marketing. And it sounds silly, but even a picture of a female will help me be like more comfortable or more relatable to that brand just over that. It's, it's how oh, it is. hundred percent. Yeah, no, it's, it's you, you connect with stuff that is really relatable to you. Yep. And then like on the, on the instructor side, I guess I didn't mention that. So I, I, I sponsored a number of instructors, shooting instructors too. Cause I feel like that's a great, um, uh, avenue to display a product and show it off. But uh, I have a couple female instructors too run our stuff because uh, I feel like females are going to be more comfortable if they go to a female instructor, especially when they first start learning about uh, firearms, maybe they've never shot before. It can be super intimidating. I know I'm even me, I was intimidated the first time I went to classes and shot, right? So who can admit um, that? You're the first guy to ever admit that right there. So oh, it's intimidating. Oh, it's super intimidating. Like when, especially when you're new and like you go, you go to a class and it's like the first morning and everyone pulls up their cars and trucks and everyone's just staying there, like, like not talking to anyone. And you're just like, oh, what is going on? Like everyone's <laughs> sizing up everyone. And uh, it's uh, now I make it a point. Like I just like go to break the ice and talk to everyone and like, you know, just have a chill time. You know, we're not here for, it's not a competition when you're in a class like that. So, but it, it can get real. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You can. It, it can be a, a, a awkward environment for sure. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, okay. You guys introduced, and I was switching gears. We all introduced new stuff at SHOT Show. And I don't know if you want to take a minute to talk about what those were. Yeah. just We had a, just a couple new things this year. Uh, we had our BX4 range, which is a new range finding binocular for us. The really cool thing about the BX4 range is um, it's hard to... You see a lot of rangefinding binoculars out there that have really good laser systems, but the optics aren't really good. So uh, what we did, we do optical prescriptions really, really well. Um, that's kind of what we hang our hat on. So uh, optically, that binocular performs super well, as well as having a really strong uh, laser system in it. So uh, I'm excited for that. And then um, we have our, our continuation of the Mark V HD line. So the two to 10 by 30s, the new magnification that we came out with, which is kind of a perfect magnification for um, a, you know, recce rifles have been really, really popular, you know, that, but, but a DMR style rifle, um, you know, a, a 14, five to 16 to an 80, 18 inch uh, AR something like that, where you can get a little more um, distance out of it. Um, there's a lot of applications for that. And, um, you know, people ask us like, Oh, why didn't you do like a one to eight or a one to 10 or something like that? Uh, by going to a two to 10, we didn't have to make the optical system work as hard and you actually get way better performance. Yeah. The two, two power is super flat. 10 power is super clear edge to edge and everything in between. And honestly, like when I, when I run a setup like that, I usually have a red dot up top. Yep. So we, I run a DP pro up on the ring top and I use that for close up stuff. And then I, I drop down to the, um, scope for longer range stuff. So it, it's a phenomenal setup. A lot of people have been asking us for two to 10 
And uh, uh, I don't think we're going to be able to make enough of those capsules. So, yeah. <laughs> Heard it here first. No, that's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, the other stuff I've seen, you guys, well, some people run them on um, like AK matches. They'll still run like a red dot offset and then they'll still have like a scope because sometimes they're shooting even like 7.62, but even up to like 300 yards, which it doesn't seem like a lot. But with that kind of steel case ammo, sometimes it's not always the most accurate stuff. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, the offset red dot is really nice. For me, I have my full field of view, mm-hmm. you know, natural field of view, which is great if you, you know, especially on the stage, if you're running and you have a lot of, you know, ipsic cardboards that you're just trying to hit A zones on real fast, you don't want to really be in a scope. Uh, you yep. just want a red dot and then, yeah. Or you could be like the super three gun guys who have the two red dots, like on each side, you know. <laughs> that could, I don't have them on each side, but I have a primary and an offset on all of my guns. But but not only is one zeroed for further and then one's close up, but I've also had one fly off. So you know what? I have a backup. <laughs> nice. Well, that's that's one of those things when you first see it, you're like, why do they do that? And then someone explained it to you. You're like, yeah. oh, okay, that makes sense. But, well, it's actually like on my long guns, on my PRS guns, I run a red dot up top. And people will see it and they're like, why do you do like, are you clearing rooms with your 26 inch, 22 pound gun? I was like, no, no, no. It's for alignment. So when you're on a stage and you're looking, you're like, okay, the target, I can't really see the target, but I know it's by this rock. So when I get down on the gun, I can put that dot on the rock. And then I drop down to the scope and I'm in my field of view. Yeah. So it's just, it's an alignment tool because yeah, and you'll experience it once it you clicks. when you when this you when is you, so cool. Yeah, so when new shooters start shooting, the biggest thing that I see them struggle with is finding targets. Yep. Right. Yeah. Out back east, it's not as hard. You're on a square range; it's usually easier to find <laughs> targets. But the out west, the field matches can be yeah, uh, can cool. be a nightmare, right? And you're you could be shooting one target here, and you have to go almost 180 degrees and transition to a target over here, <laughs> and if you didn't landmark correctly and find, you know, and the other thing, people are magnified too much. They're on 25 power, 30 power, and then your field of view is narrow. And then you're working the power selector back and forth, trying to find the target, freaking out, and you can't do it. So anyways, um, I shoot most of my matches on about 18 power, and I use that red dot. I just put the red dot, I find it, bump down, shoot, red dot, you know, so. Like, you don't understand, my whole life just changed just now, today, right now, whole life, because I am that shooter, <laughs> in even three-gun, and this happened in November, is I was, like, in and out of magnification on a low-power variable scope, but I I was like, where are the targets? And then, before I even, like, was able to shoot the stage, I'm like, I'm gonna need somebody to point these out, there's no flags, there's no wind stuff, but they were out to, right. like, 500 yards, again, not terrible, but with two to three, anyways, Absolutely. <laughs> just, like coming out of the scope and then it's that whole dance that you just see this person's face moving and you're like they can't find it yeah exactly so i've seen it time and time again so there's a little che- there's a little cheat code for you so Jeez. yeah my mind is whole blown and i have to rethink life so then for your mount is it how do you mount it on top of scope rings yeah so we actually make a ring top mount um uh when i ran the custom shop one of the cool things we got to do is we kind of got to um prototype stuff so we had make these, stuff for yourself you mean like yeah, you maybe, yeah. maybe um so we uh one of the engineers over here had a ring top mount that he had out had on his desk for years and he was like well production really doesn't want to make it and i was like we'll, we'll make it in the custom shop so uh we started making it now it's a production item uh which is cool uh so uh, yeah uh, it goes on our mark four rings or mark ims rings it's just the top 
goes on there. You can mount the DP Pro at uh, 12 o'clock or the each 45 degree angle off to the side. Um, it has fore and aft movement if you want it uh, closer uh, further away. Um, it's a it's a really cool system. And um, like I said, yeah, for that long gun stuff, it, it's actually really advantageous. And, <laughs> and your face, I've seen it before because like guys will be like, you know, shooters will be like, what, what is that? And I'll be like, Hey, get down behind the rifle and like, check it out. And they do it once and they're like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like really excited right now though. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, uh, I'll tell Ryan, your long range mentor, he failed you because he didn't mention that to you. Failed. Failed. Yeah, failed. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Hanging out. I can't wait for this year. Holy crap. Um, yeah. And I've we're having crawfish at the first match that I'm at, and crawfish like my family's from Louisiana, so I'm looking forward the camaraderie for sure in this sport. And and I've never met a lot. I know some PRS shooters, but it's a whole different community for me. So it means a whole new group of friends. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's it's it, it the community's awesome. So are you going to the Texas match? Is that your first match? So yeah, that's where they usually have the crawfish. So. Yes. And I'm from the West Coast, so I'm like, oh, crawfish, no. <laughs> mud bugs. Yeah, mud or bugs. You- Corey Klamasevich and I shoot together a lot. So like with USA oh, yeah. three gun. Yeah. So he's like, we have 500 pounds. I was like, I'm eating 300 of them. Oh, <laughs> Not really, you, but I'm so excited. You can eat my share. I won't have any. I'll just, I eat the potatoes and the sausage and the corn. That's it. What? You're yeah. so good. <laughs> so good. Um, Okay, speaking of these other little things, then maybe you have some off your tip of your head. For people listening that want to get in PRS or they're starting, um, do you have any other like tips or any other things that you see initially that people really make mistakes on that they can think about now of how to not do that? For sure. Um, trying to go too fast. I understand that, you know, most stages are either a minute, a half or two minutes. And once that timer goes off, just like three gun or USPSA or something, your Brian goes like, um, but just relax, breathe. You're not, if, if you went to your first match and you timed out every stage, that's totally fine. Uh, because you just want to go slow and get your hits. Um, bags are a huge thing. So support bags. I remember when I first started shooting, I had a full size Armageddon gear game changer with the big beads in it. And uh, the the rifle would just not sit right, and like my wobble zone was huge, and I was moving around. And then someone was like, "Hey, try this. You know, it's a same same bag, you know, full size game changer or, or medium medium game changer, but with sand in it. And now the rifle just settles down, and like getting the right bag is super important. You'll be like, oh, okay, now I understand how people get so stable. Um, uh, so that that's an inexpensive piece of gear that will really make a big difference. Um, going forward, you you can get in a gear race. You can spend as much gear as you want, you know, money on gear as you want. But um, the other thing is just practice, 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 <clears throat> practice getting into those positions. You don't need a fire shot, you know, just dry fire practice or take a step stool in your garage and practice putting the bag down, getting the rifle down, and getting stable and just back and forth in and out of that uh, will make a huge, huge difference. And uh, yeah, just breathing too. <laughs> breathing is huge. You see, again, you get so worked up and you're on the clock and stage and you see people just like not like uh, taking a breath. So, yeah, um, which sounds simple, but yeah, it is something yeah. you just got to remember to do when you're, when you're shooting. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple couple ones that I see new shooters struggle with. That's helpful. Uh, and then just ask questions too. Everyone's there to help. Yeah. Be like, hey, why? Or uh, how how do you think I should do that? Or why did someone do it that way? 
um, just, yeah, don't be scared to ask questions. So. Yep. Um, I will say for new shooters that <laughs> the NRL hunter matches, if you ever do one of those, uh, those are kind of fun because you there are blind stages, so no one's watching you. It's only the RO. So if you screw up, it's not a whole group of people behind you watching you screw up. So it's slightly less pressure. So it's because it's blind because every other shooter has to do the exact same thing, so you can't know where things are at, so you truly have no audience. Correct. Yeah, you don't know what the stage looks like before you are on clock and run up there and have to start doing it. So, yeah. So I um. I built an NRL 22 rifle and I shot a local and I was playing with that. So I have that like as a trainer rifle, which has been really fun actually, because it's just as heavy as, well, mm -hmm. not as heavy, but close to heavy. The bags that you said, aha, uh -huh. I've been learning sides of bag, front bag, rear bag. Oh my God. It's almost too many bags and too many options. It, now, it's a problem. Yeah. Now, yeah. And I, I would, I would uh, uh, say some people will have like, you know, four or five bags clipped to their backpack. Yep. And I'm like, no, you just need one bag. Yep. <laughs> one one bag will do it. Um, you know, the, it used to be, it's funny, you see the trends happen in, in shooting. And uh, these dudes used to have these big, like we call pump pillows, right? This big, like, you know, freaking bean bag, a chair of a bag. And uh, you don't luckily see that too much anymore. Uh, honestly, you can accomplish 99% of things with one good, bag so yeah. yeah oh my gosh yeah i was learning about like the sticky adapters and i have like the little fortune cookie looking thing it works that, that's my one bag that i really really enjoy <laughs> oh yeah the, the wee bad fortune cookie with the sticky stuff that works yeah. great yeah. uh i will say yeah the other bag that i do utilize i, I buy it. i use two bags so <laughs> <laughs> so i use a, a, a armageddon gear uh medium game changer with sand but then I have a uh, Arca bag, so it it clamps on to the Arca plate yep. on the front, and it's it's sand. So if you're running a, a tripod rear support uh, stage or something like that, that's that's how you do that efficiently. So I just got that from Coltac. They're um, mm -hmm. the back, rail, the backbone. Backbone. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm learning. That's I've been playing with toys and trying to practice, and that was yeah. <laughs> well coming. Coming from three gun, you're no, you're you're not shy about gear, so yeah. I'm sure. So yeah, yeah. Cool. I haven't opened in gear yet, or open division three gun, which is a gear race, and that's where I'm not playing with yet. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Some of the right gear does make a difference. You can get too wrapped up in gear, but some of the, you know, their their gear to a certain point does make a difference for sure. Yeah. And you'll find out the small the small detail things make a big difference too. Like yeah. where where do you where do you keep dope at? Do you run an arm board? Do you have a card? Is the card attached to the rifle? Um, stuff like that. So left side, right side, keeping your head in the scope. Yeah, there's there's a lot of little lessons that I am definitely learning which is mm -hmm. good it's good but it is like drinking from a fire hose when you change sports <laughs> yeah and and you'll go shoot a you'll go shoot a match and you'll go shoot the one in texas and you'll be like oh i need to change everything i just half. did yeah eh, maybe not every maybe half of it yeah you're like yeah that's it because and that's the thing like you got to find out what works for you not what you know what works for you may not work for another person Yep. Uh, especially, you know, I would cut another thing for new shooters is like, we're not all built the same. So yeah. how one person shot the stage, you may have to shoot it a different way. And that's totally fine. Totally. You know, you may see someone kneeling, you know, with one knee up mm -hmm. or both knees on the ground. That doesn't mean that one's better than the other. It's just how your body works. And, yep. you know, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty broken and it's hard for me to kneel like one, one knee down. So, yeah. 
I wouldn't even say I'm broken. It's just that I get hurt a lot. So I, it's not the right, right way to do it, but I like to go where you have to go prone or you have to go on the ground at some point. That's last. <laughs> it's not good, but it's like, that's last. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. That's fun. Well, the good thing is most PRS matches, there's actually not a lot of yeah. prone shooting. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, we'll see what else. I did want to talk a little bit about just like personal protection, like carry just mindset, you know, when, especially when traveling. So that's the biggest thing that people ask me and I'm sure you, cause you travel everywhere as well. You know, how important is it when you're in new environments and new places that you're still assessing your surroundings, you're still kind of in that mentality that you got to protect yourself. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. I'm a, I'm a proponent of, a, if you're going to fly with a long gun, might as well fly with a pistol. Yeah, with too, right. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you're checking one gun, might as well check two guns. So uh, I do that all the time, but uh, yeah, situational awareness is huge. Um, I'm a big proponent of that. Just scanning your environment. So many people are sucked into their phones these days and don't actually scan anywhere. All right. It doesn't have to be, you don't need to search an assessor and a crazy thing like that, you know, but just like, you know, be cognizant of what's going on. Uh, the other thing that I carry with me everywhere, uh, too, is my uh, mod light flashlight because, uh, you know, place, certain places you can't carry a firearm or something. Man, this thing is so bright. If you pop that in someone's eye, you're going to disable them. So and it comes with a cool little clip thing that you can use as a pressure point. So, oh, that is um, so I, I take that everywhere. So that personal protection stuff is important. I will say I screwed up last trip <clears throat> as a, uh, you know, just a, a cautionary tale to your listeners. Um, you know, I had my pistol, you know, I usually, uh, I have the cardboard box for the ammo, uh, but you can keep the ammo in the magazine as long as the magazine is separate from the gun in the case, uh, which I did, but then I forgot and I stuck the magazine in the pistol. Now it wasn't racked and there wasn't one in the chamber, but technically by TSA standards, that is a loaded pistol. So yep. I got, I got detained for that. And uh, <laughs> my pre-check is uh, uh, gone for a year. So I got, are you serious? Yeah, so I got slapped on the wrist for that. So uh, just make sure you uh, check your stuff before you get to the airport. This was like a week ago. Yeah, when I came back from uh, uh, Texas from the PRS match, so. Yeah. Oh, I would cry to lose my TSA recheck. Yeah, I I flew I, I flew since then because I flew back to Texas and I was standing in the line. I was looking at the recheck <laughs> line. And I was like, gosh, dang it! Like, <laughs> I was like, I gotta take my shoes off. This is this is bull. So yeah. <laughs> A year. I mean, it it makes sense, but also like that's so painful. That's the thing, like, uh, you know, uh, my friends were like, are you going to appeal it? I'm like, I'm not going to appeal it. I broke the rules. That's what I get for breaking the rules. So, um, so lesson learned. (laughs) But I will say the cops were super cool about it. I got an Austin police department patch and we were talking about optics and what, you know, what uh, he he was running a red dot on his pistol. I was asking him how he likes it. So um, they they were awesome about it. So (laughs) that's good news, at least friendly. We, we, We made friends. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it was it was in a lock case. It's not like I went to the yeah. airport with like Yosemite no. Sam. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's tough learning though. I haven't had. I did have one person that like checked or put ammo in there. It, it, that's, that's always a story. Is the ammo through the TSA scanning because it's a loose round in a backpack? It's like if you take your range backpack as your carry on, bro, you better dump that sucker and put a metal yeah. detector over it. Yeah, I, I did have that happen once. Uh, I was in Vegas. I think I was coming back from Shot Show, so that makes sense. And 
sometimes you can't carry two backpacks. So that bag did become my range bag. And the, the round had got lodged up like behind like the laptop, uh, like sleeve and stuff. And they, there was three agents in there. They're like, we can see it on the scanner, but they couldn't find it like in the backpack. So uh, yeah, leave yourself, leave yourself plenty of time at the airport. So. <laughs> You made it a treasure hunt for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Holy yeah. Cow. yeah. Wow. Oh man. But yeah, that's uh that that is rough. I I do miss my pre-check, but uh uh you know, you fly long enough with guns, it probably is gonna happen. It's gonna happen. So, it's kind yeah. of like the DQ or the AD. Not if, but when. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I know we talked about a lot here. Is there anything that, you know, final nuggets that you want to leave people with or anything that we didn't talk about that you want to talk about? Uh, no, just uh, maybe uh, take someone shooting, right? Take, uh, take a new person shooting. Um, I, I love the, taking new people out and, and showing them guns aren't scary and that it's fun and that, uh, um, you know, especially with everything going on in the world these days, it, it gets more and more vilified. But man, I, I, I challenge you to take someone out and uh, not see a smile on their face, right, when they start <laughs> start shooting. So, uh, especially the shooting sports. And uh, um, yeah, that's what that's what yeah. I would say. Yeah. Uh, that's great advice. I keep telling if if everyone in our industry brought one new person, just one, the growth would would change the world. I think. Hundred percent. Yep. Hundred percent. Yeah. Well, Nick, how do people, I say, follow you? How do people follow Leopold online? And then if they want to reach out, do you want to leave any contact info? Uh, Instagram is probably the best way to follow me and contact me. I don't hide on there. It says exactly who I am and what I do. So uh, it's uh, my name, N-I-C dot uh, K-Y-T-L-I-C-A at, uh, uh, yeah, at, that's my handle on Instagram. So again, I don't hide. It's my name. Um, uh, and then yeah, loophole.com for all the product information, everything on there, uh, sign up for our core insider newsletter. Uh, there's a lot of cool information that gets, uh, um, sent out that way. And, uh, we do sell, uh, on our website now, certain accessories and the eyewear and stuff like that. So go on there and check it out. And, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I, and like I said, the Instagram is probably the best way. If it's a business thing, I usually then will direct you towards my email. So, email. Yeah. <laughs> I try to segregate those things a little bit. So, yeah. Same. Customer service. I want to get offline of social media so badly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, social media, it's what you make of it, though. So, yeah. you know, I've met a lot of cool people via social. So, true. Um, yeah. So, it's, it's what you make of it. Love it. Nick, thank you for everything. I cannot wait for this year. Thank you for sending me gear to help with my PRS journey. And, Competing as an amateur, wish me luck here because it'll be it'll be a ride. Oh, you, you're going to have fun regardless. You, 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 every round will be an impact. May not be on target, but it'll be an impact somewhere. So <laughs> into the dirt. <laughs> into the dirt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, listeners, stay tuned for next week's all new episode of the Red Club Podcast, and be sure to uh, subscribe and like the channel. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Red Club Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Follow along on social media at Redicle Up or 3 Gen Kenzie.